Sister Mary, Mary Morgan. And we ask you, Father, to be with our sister. Strengthen her for the trial that you've placed upon her. <clears throat> Give her husband a soft heart toward her in spite of what, what he's wanting to do. And give us all a love and a compassion for each other in these times of trial. Be with our sister in Elmont. Strengthen her. Keep her healthy. Give her relief from the pain in her back. Be with Angel and Daryl. And we thank you for, for keeping them and Donica all in good, uh, safely through this storm keeping them in your hands. We appreciate the, the way you answer our prayers in, in situations of that sort. And we rejoice with them in the fact that you have spared them, that they didn't even lose their, their power. So thank you so much for the blessings that you give us. Thank you for our brother Paul Miller, who was able to get some sleep Friday night. We, we ask that you will continue to strengthen him through the uh, day that he has to go through this treatment and that you'll bring him back home safely. Be with Abe and uh, Dolores as they'll be traveling to pick him up. And give our brother Paul the strength to and the resolve he needs to stick through this, this uh, trial of coming off of his medications. <clears throat> Be with our sister Angela Martinez. Give her the strength to continue to do the same thing with her meds. And we ask that you'll also give her the wisdom to handle the request by Aben and uh, Noah to come to the United States. Give her wisdom in regard to that. Give the boys themselves wisdom in being seeking your will in the matter. And we ask that you will make your will known in this matter and provide for that to happen if you will do so. We ask that you will be with our sister Cheryl Roroglian that she may have the wisdom to deal with her related job issues and uh, give her the strength to handle each situation that comes up wisely so that there will be no recourse for the adversary. Be with our sister Sue, who has asked for wisdom in choosing her words and how to uh, limit those words. Give her the ability to control herself in, in her talking as, as she has asked us to do. So we're praying with her that you will give her the ability to do that. And. Uh, and also let her know, Father, that we all love her and appreciate her as she works to become more like you every day. Be with our sister and brother, Tony and Gail, and give, give Tony the ability to breathe easy, to not feel like he's having to labor for every breath, and strengthen Gail as she ministers to Tony. Help them to minister to each other and to be good employees to their bosses. Be with our brother and sister, Dennis and Lynn, as Lynn also is 
struggling to overcome her dependency on meds and, uh, and help her to get sleep father give her relief from the from the pain that she's in and we praise you that you've done just that so we rejoice with Lynn and, and Dennis now father we ask that you will be with Ronell and Pete whatever is 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 afflicting Ronell right now father give them immediate relief if you will see fit help them to learn <clears throat> whatever the message may be that you have for them and bring them through this time of trial and give them the strength that is needed the wisdom that is needed to to endure this trial and to overcome whatever needs to be overcome we ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ our Savior amen <clears throat> All right, our study this morning comes from Isaiah 4, <clears throat> verses 1 through 3. And I've taken the title from the first verse. In that day, seven women will say, we will eat our own bread and wear our own clothing, our own apparel. In that day, <clears throat> seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. In that day, same day. Now that's the uh, thing I want to be emphasizing this morning. Is that in the day that the world is becoming more and more uh, separated from God in that same day the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious the fruit of the earth he calls it shall be excellent and comely for those that are escaped of Israel it's all in the same day because we go through both of those things and they're side by side they're going on simultaneously within us and within the world and notice it's called the branch of the Lord. It shall be beautiful and glorious. And the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for those that for them that are escaped of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that he that is left in Zion and he that remains in Jerusalem shall be called holy, everyone that is written among the living in Jerusalem. In that day seven women will take hold of of one man wanting to provide their own bread and their own clothes and their own apparel and they want to claim Christ's name to take away their reproach that's what's being said here now you know this I read the commentaries on this I always do just to see what what the world has to say about this thing and they miss it completely just completely most of them although a couple of them do refer to the fact that uh, it's best for a woman to let her husband provide her clothes meaning they actually got it just a little but they don't emphasize it they emphasize the fact that there are going to be wars and in, uh, in that day there's going to be a, uh, a shortage of men that's their emphasis but that's not what you and I get out of it if if we have the mind of Christ that may be true physically but we want to understand that that it's the false doctrines that take hold of our 
lives that want to dominate and keep their own mindset while claiming to be Christians. And we want to fight that in our own lives and not let that be our guide. These seven women are immediately contrasted in that day with the branch of the Lord, which is called the fruit of the earth, excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. As we've learned earlier in these studies here in the book of Isaiah, the phrase that day, unless otherwise qualified, refers to the day of the Lord. And we're told that the day of the Lord is the day of his judgment upon the kingdom of our old man and its inward application. And it's the judgment of God upon the nations of this world outwardly and dispensationally. So the number of times the day of the Lord is mentioned in the scriptures indicates just how central to scriptures is this day of the Lord. It tells us just how expedient it is to understand to the understanding of God's elect to know what this day of the Lord is. But the words, and in that day here in Isaiah 4.1, the fact that it starts off with that word and, serve to connect what is being said here to what's being, what was said in chapter uh Chapter 3. In chapter 3, we saw, tells us of the things that must be taken away from us before we can enter into the temple and into the presence of the Lord. So I'm going to go back to verses 18 through 26 to get that tie in for us. And verse 18 starts out the same way. In that day, the day of God's judgment, the day of his wrath, the day of, uh, of, of, of his coming, coming to work in our lives, the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments about their feet, their calls, their round tires like the moon, the chains, the bracelets, the mufflers, the bonnets, the ornaments of the legs, the headbands, the tablets, the earrings, the rings, the nose jewels, the changeable suits of apparel, the mantles, the wimples, the crisping pins, the glasses, the fine linen, the hoods, and the veils. Uh, you know, the hoods was, was, was crowns, and all of those other things had terrible tra uh, translations. I can't go back and go over all that right now, but the point being made is he's taken a lot away. The fact of the matter is he's taken everything away. And it shall come to pass that instead of sweet smell there shall be a stink. Instead of the girdle a rent, instead of the well-set hair, baldness, and instead of a stomacher, a girding uh, of sackcloth, and burning instead of beauty. Your men will fall by the sword, and you're mighty in the, uh, and you're mighty in war, in the war. In other words, your old man is going to die. That's what's being said in verse 25 there. And her gates shall lament and mourn, and she, being desolate, shall sit upon the ground. She is Babylon the Great within us. And, of course, Babylon the Great dispensationally will experience the same thing because the world is turning against religion. One of us here on the study said that they were came out of a store and there was a man saying, I'm an infidel. He was proud of it, wearing a shirt, I'm an infidel. Well, there's going to be a lot more of that because people are being becoming fed up with religion. Although it's still got a great hold on people, it's beginning to lose that hold and it will be burned out. The day of the Lord is part of our lives when the Lord begins to show us that there are many things in our lives which we must relinquish and eliminate within our hearts and minds. Our old man has a godless, hate-filled, carnal mind. 
and that mind must be burned out of us on a daily basis, from the time of the commencement of that work until the day we die. The judgment which is now upon the house of God doesn't stop judging our sins within our lives until we draw our last physical breath. First Peter 4.12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. So there it is. There's our hope. There's our reward. We have something to look forward to. This is not for nothing. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the spirit of glory of God rests upon you. On their part he's evil spoken of, but on your part he's glorified. That's not talking about communists or atheists. It's talking about religious people. Seven women who want to keep their own clothing. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer. Now a murderer is somebody who hates somebody as well as somebody who actually murders someone. They're both murderers as far as the Holy Spirit's concerned. A thief is someone who takes away the truth, as well as someone who steals good people's goods. An evildoer, a busybody in other men's matters. Stay out of other people's business and just take care of your own. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? The time has come. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where will the ungodly and sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing, as unto a faithful creator. We're in good hands. We're in very good hands. Very capable hands. We can trust in our Lord to take care of us. Now, if we don't consider ourselves to be the house of God, if we deny that we're the house of God, <clears throat> and we just say, oh, everybody's the house of God. The whole congregation's holy, every one of them. In that case, none of this has any personal application. On the other hand, if we know that we are the house of God, and that they don't know God, and if we said that they did, then we would be liars like they are, as Jesus Christ said, then we know that it's we who must be the first to be judged and to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, including the words concerning that day, the day of the Lord. I remember about 20 years ago when I read those verses in First Peter for the first time in my life, having the eyes of my understanding enlightened to understand what I was reading. Uh, you know, the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. I just didn't register until one day. I'd been taught that sometime in the future there was coming a day of judgment and that we would all have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ someday in the future and that very few people would avoid being cast into the lake of fire someday in the future. Now my eyes were opened to see those words, the time has come that the fiery trials of judgment must begin at the house of the Lord, the house of God. I was finally given to know that for those who are Christ, who are the Lord's Christ, we are being judged at this very moment 
And it's we who are having his wrath poured out upon the kingdom of our old man. Now, in this age, the day of judgment is called the day of wrath many times in Scripture. So let's look at a few of those and see just what it is Peter is talking about when he says the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Job 21, verse 30. The wicked is reserved to the day of destruction. They should be brought forth to the day of wrath. That's words for our old man and all that he has. All the things that must be taken away from him. Within. It will happen outwardly, too, as we will could very well witness. Proverbs 11, verse 4. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Ezekiel 7, 19. They shall cast their silver in the streets, and their gold shall be removed. Their silver and their gold shall not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. They shall not satisfy their soul, neither shall their bowels neither fill their bowels, because it is the stumbling block of their iniquity. Well, that's a key verse there, if you wonder what the stumbling block of their iniquity is. It's the same thing as the gold that they wrap around their idols, the silver that they use to justify their false doctrines, their clothing that they take to clothe their false doctrines, their good works that they think are going to save them. That's their clothing. Because clothing is the righteousness of saints, and it's the self-righteousness of sinners. Zephaniah 1.8, Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by fire, by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. In other words, he's going to clear us out and burn out everything. He's going to take everything away from us. Zephaniah 2.2, before the decree bring, bring forth, before the day passes the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of God, the Lord's anger come upon you. Romans 2.25, I'm sorry. But after your hardness and impenitent heart, treasure up unto yourself. But these words are being written by the Apostle Paul to you and me. Every word of God is written to you and me. After your hardness and impenitent heart, treasure up to yourself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. In other words, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is what the whole book of Revelation is all about. So there it is in Romans 2, verse 5. The day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God which makes it clear that the day of wrath and the day of judgment are one and the same. And that it is we who must first endure the wrath of God upon the kingdom of our old man. Just as God's judgment and his wrath against Job's self-righteous, God-condemning spirit preceded the judgment of Job's miserable comforters. That's why we are called first fruits unto God in the land. Look at James 1.18. Of his own will, not of our will, not of anything we do, of his own will beget he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In Revelation 14, verse 4, speaking of the 144,000, 
These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God in the Lamb. Now when it says they were not defiled, are not defiled with women, it's not saying that they never were. Because if they weren't at one time, then they wouldn't need to be redeemed. So let's be clear about that. We're all sinners. And our names will all be blotted out. And, and then they will be put back in. It's the day, the great day of his wrath, which in his time will manifest who are these firstfruits under the God and the Lamb. Revelation 6, verses 12 through 17. I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell under the earth, even as a fig tree cast her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And heaven, the heaven departed as a scroll, when it's rolled together. And every mountain and island were, were, moved, were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and rocks of the mountain. I mean, Revelation reads like the book of Isaiah. Because that's where these words come from. They, they come from right out of the Old Testament. And said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Now that's the sixth seal. Now the, the, the seals themselves are part of the wrath of God. The great day of his wrath is come with the opening of the seals of the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, the second seal is the red horse, which takes peace away from the earth. But it also includes the seventh seal, which we are going to read about right here in Revelation 8, verses 1 and 2. When he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. This is a momentous occasion. Judgment is upon the house of God now. Because the book of Revelation starts out telling us the time is at hand. Verse 3 of chapter 1. This seventh seal is the sounding of the seven trumpets. And the seven trumpets parallel and culminate in the seventh trumpet, which is the seven bowls, the seven vials, which fill up the wrath of God, and which must be fulfilled in our lives before any man can enter into the temple of God in heaven. Revelation 15.1, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Revelation 15, 7 and 8, And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven vials full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with the smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple, till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. The day of judgment, the day of the Lord, the day of destruction, the day of the Lord's wrath are all one and the same day. They are the day, which is so often mentioned that they are referred to simply as that day. We've already seen this phrase, that day, referring to the day of the Lord, the wrath and the wrath 
of, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Three times in chapter 2. Revelation, um, Revelation, Isaiah 2, verse 11. The lofty looks of men shall be humbled, the haughtiness of men will be bowed down, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. The loftiness of men, this is the same chapter, verse 17, will be bowed down, and the haughtiness of men will be made low, the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. In verse 20, in that day man, a man shall cast his idols of silver and idols of gold, which they have made, each one for himself to worship, to the moles and to the bats. Just what we're reading in chapter 4. Now let's look at a few ver more verses which add to what we can expect at that time. They also demonstrate that the phrase that day refers to the day of the Lord. Now this is Isaiah 27 verse 1. In that day, the Lord with his sore and great strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea, in the flesh of all mankind. God literally drives the dragon out of our lives and gives us the ability to serve him without Satan overcoming us. We're giving power over the power of the dragon, over all the power of the enemy. Isaiah 27, verse 13, it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown. They shall come, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria. That's why we're in Babylon. Assyria is Babylon. And the outcasts of the land of Egypt shall worship the Lord in the holy mount of Jerusalem. We come to our wit's end while we're in Babylon. And then we come to the Lord's Mount at Jerusalem. But we thought we were in Jerusalem while we were in Babylon, and we weren't. Isaiah 29, verse 18. And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book. Wow, sounds familiar. Sounds kind of like Matthew 13. And the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. Isaiah 31, verse 7, For in that day every man shall cast away his idols of silver and idols of gold. Notice that phrase, that, that statement is in there time and time again, because this is talking about false doctrines, which your own hands have made unto you for sin, our stumbling block of iniquity, our false doctrines. Our hands make what our minds have conceived. Jeremiah 4, verse 9, and it shall come to pass at that day, saith the Lord, that the heart of the king shall perish, and the heart of the princes and the priests shall be astonished, and the prophets shall wonder. Yeah, yeah, we, we all go through that. All of our prophets and kings and false doctrines within us are questioned. And we, we see one by one they go down. I tell the story so often of saying, saying, you know, we were wrong about this. We were wrong about that. We we're also wrong about this and wrong about that. Wow, we didn't have anything right. That was that was just a process that we lived through. And you all have to. Jeremiah 25, verse 33. The slain of the Lord shall be at that day from one end of the earth even unto the other end of the earth. They shall not be lamented, nor gathered, nor buried. They shall be dung upon the ground. 
false myth when he said, all of these doctors that I used to believe, all of my glorying in my genealogy and in my accomplishments within what amounted to the Babylon of the day, the Jewish religion of his day, I counted all but dung upon the ground. Jeremiah 30, verse 7, Alas, for the day, that day, is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Oh, yes, saved by fire. 1 Corinthians 3.15 Now let's see what we can learn from the verses which contain the phrase, The Day of the Lord. I've broken this down by the books in which the phrase, The Day of the Lord, appears, and it appears, appears first here in the book we're studying. And it happens that this, the first verse where the phrase, The Day of the Lord, appears is in the verse immediately after the first entry for the phrase, That Day. So I'm going to read both of those verses. That day is referring specifically to the day of the Lord. And I want to draw our attention to how frequently, even thousand years, thousands of years ago, when speaking of the day of the Lord, we're told the day of the Lord is at hand. And I've underlined uh, every time we see those words. So let's look here. And, uh, now we're looking at the day of the Lord, but I want to stick verse 11 in here just to make that connection between that day and the day of the Lord, because here they are right together. The lofty looks of men shall be humbled, the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. For, for continuing the thought, for the day of the Lord, that day is the day of the Lord, shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty and upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. Now skipping ahead to Isaiah 13, verse 6, how ye for the day of the Lord. It's at hand. There it is. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. And Isaiah 13, verse 9, Behold, the day of the Lord comes both cruel with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Well, if he's going to destroy the sinners thereof out of it, he's got a lot of work to do because there are a lot of sinners within us and within the world. And yes, he does have a lot of work to do, and it's, he won't even break a sweat doing it. Isaiah 34, verse 8, For the day of the Lord's vengeance, it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, and the year of recompense for the controversy of Zion. There's a lot of controversy over who Zion is. Who is the Lord's first fruit? Do they dare separate themselves from the world? Well, there's a lot of controversy over that. And very few, very few people indeed are willing to say, I know the Lord, and you don't. And if I said you did, I'd be a liar like you are. Those are the words of the Lord concerning the people of Babylon of his day. So don't condemn me for following in his footsteps. For this is the day of Jeremiah. This is 46 verse 10. This is the day of the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance, that he may avenge him of his adversaries. And the sword shall devour, and it shall be satiate and made drunk with their blood. For the Lord God of hosts has a sacrifice in the north country by the river Euphrates. That means that he's not afraid to tell them that they are liars when they say they know the, they know the Lord. That's what that means. That's what Euphrates means. Euphrates means Babylon. Lamentation 2.22. You have called as in a solemn assembly my terrors round about, so that in the day of the Lord's anger none escaped nor remained. 
and that is terrorizing of our old man and his kingdom. Those that I have swaddled and brought up as my enemy consumed. In Ezekiel verses, chapter 13, verse 5, you have, gone up into, you have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge of the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. Ezekiel 30, verse 3, for the, year, the day is near, there it is again, the day is near, even the day of the Lord is near, a cloudy day, it should be a time of the heathen. Here we go again, Joel uh, 1, verse 15, alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Joel 2, verse 1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord comes. It is nigh at hand. There it is again. Joel 2, verse 11. The Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For he is strong that exalts, executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and terrible. Who can abide it? And Joel 3, verse 14, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Well, that decision to be made is, are you willing to separate yourself from the world in the way that Christ did? And say, no, you don't know the Lord, you're still following the world. And I'm not. I'm following my Father. But it says it's near, and it said that a lot of times. Amos 5, verse 18. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. You know, there, there's so many people saying, oh, let, let, yeah, let it come. We're going to be raptured away from here. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. For you, you people who think you're going to be raptured out of it. Amos 5.20, shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and, not, and no brightness? Obadiah 1.15, for the day of the Lord is near upon the heathen. As you have done, it shall be done unto you. And speaking of Edom, which is Babylon, your reward shall return upon your head. Now listen. God's are going to accomplish this by every man's hand against his neighbor. I just read a news uh, uh, article, I guess it was the Drudge Report, because that's usually what I read, where the people in Aleppo and then Mosul, the, the Islamic State, are, they had a prophecy. They were quoting a prophecy from right out of the Quran that said, if this certain little hill was taken, that that would bring on the, the end fight the in battle, and that uh, Allah would deliver all of his people. Well, the, common, the commentator, he says, well, that hill fell, and they're still holding to that uh, prophecy as they receive one uh, setback after another. Well, this is just every man's hand against his neighbor, and the very people who are writing that story are going to be experiencing the same thing. We all have to live by every word. So get ready for our own uh, day of reckoning with God, outwardly as well as inwardly. Did I read Obadiah? 
The, the day of the Lord is near upon the heathen? Yeah, okay. Uh, Obadiah is written to Edom, which is Babylon. Zephaniah 1, verse 7. Hold your peace. Now, Zephaniah has this phrase, the day of the Lord, more than any. It's a short book, but boy, look at how many times it has this phrase. One, two, three, four, five. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, it's still the same. Okay. Hold your peace at the presence of the Lord, for the day of the Lord is at hand. There it is again. For the day of the Lord has prepared for the Lord has prepared a sacrifice, he has bid his guests. Now we we can go over to Revelation and see what that is. He bids the beasts and the and the meat eating fowl to that feast. Verse 8, and it shall come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. Strange apparel and strange fire are both the same thing. God will have no part of either. Zephaniah 1.4, the great day of the Lord is near, it is near, and haste greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty men shall cry there bitterly. Zephaniah 1.18, Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them. Now this is in Zephaniah saying the same thing that Isaiah says so many times. In the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. For he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. Zephaniah 2, verse 2 and 3. Before the decree bring, bring forth, before the day passes the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you. Zephaniah verse 3, 2 verse 3, Seek ye the Lord, all ye that meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Zechariah 14, verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, and your spoil shall be divided in the midst of you. Uh, I need to put Zechariah there to separate that from the other parts. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 5. To deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. There it is, the day of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 14. As, you, as also you have acknowledged us in part, that we are your rejoicing, even so, I mean, even as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. We rejoice in each other in our trials in the day of the Lord Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5.2 For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. 2 Peter 3.10 But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth and the works that are therein shall be burned up. This is what we know about the day of the Lord. This is what we've just been told. The day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night, the elements melt with fervent heat, the destruction of the flesh, your spoils shall be divided. The day of the Lord's wrath, the day of the Lord's anger, the day of the Lord's sacrifice, the day of the Lord is darkness and not light, the day of the Lord is great and terrible, 
who can abide it as destruction from the Almighty it shall come. The time of the heathen, make up the hedge, stand in the day of battle, my terrors are about, the day of the Lord's vengeance, and that much repeated phrase, the day of the Lord is at hand. Now that's how the day, that's how the Lord is at this very moment, purging the rebels and burning out everything that is within us, which must be taken away from within his temple, his house. Going back to Isaiah 3, that day the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments. And, and I'm not going to go back through all of that stuff. Just skip down to verse 24, because he's taken everything away. It will come to pass that instead of sweet smell, there will be stink instead of a girdle, a rent, instead of a well-set hair, baldness instead of a stomacher, and converting of sackcloth, and burning instead of beauty. The men shall fall by the, your men will fall by the sword, your mighty men in the war. And her gates shall lament and mourn, and she being desolate shall sit upon the ground. All these things which must be taken out of the Lord's temple are either different kinds of jewelry or different pieces of clothing. The jewels of silver and gold typify the Lord's words, which, he, which we twist and rest and have placed upon our false doctrines. Our clothing is the righteousness of saints. And in this case, it's the unrighteousness of our self-righteousness and our sins. The pronouns, her and her gates, and she, and the she being desolate, are referring to the seven women of the very next verse of Scripture. See, this is the end of chapter 3, and this is the first verse of chapter 4. In that day, seven women. That's the her, her gates, and she being desolate will sit on the ground. In that day, seven women will take hold of one man, saying, we will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. It's talking about the same, same thing. The word and there ties that together. Only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. These seven women are the same as the seven churches of Revelation uh, 2 and 3. The number seven in Scripture always signifies the completeness of the subject under consideration. In this case, the complete church, which has become a harlot by giving herself, giving herself and her precious jewels to her lovers. Women in Scripture signify the church. Now, whether faithful or promiscuous, the number seven signifies the complete church. The bread these women want to eat signifies their own false doctrines and wearing of their own apparel signifies the seven women wanting to ignore the way of life Christ lived and the example he left for us so they can live as they see fit and commit adultery against their own husband so they can be uh, can fit in with the world in which they live. First Peter 2, verse 21, even here into were you called because Christ also suffered for us leading us an example that we should follow his steps. Well, they certainly do not want to follow the example of Christ, the Christ step of ignoring the days, months, times, and years of his day. That is simply asking too much of these seven women. Yet they want to claim his name, claim their Christ's wife, even as they insist upon being unfaithful to him by using his gold and his silver to blind them to their lovers, to bind them to their lovers. But a remnant will escape, and they will stand in a sharp contrast to those who cannot separate themselves from Babylon. Verse 2, In that day the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. 
In sharp contrast are these seven women who will not accept the bread or, or apparel of their true husband is the branch of the Lord, which is being birthed through the judgment of these seven women within us. These seven women who refuse Christ's bread and apparel are the church with Christ's name, which hates his bread and his apparel outwardly in this world. We've all been right there in Babylon, and Lord willing, we are now dying daily to her false doctrines, and we are now, now becoming or coming out of her. The branch is often capitalized in the King James, and it should be here in as much as it refers to Christ and by extension to his Christ, which is beautiful and glorious, and, and it's called the fruit of the earth, excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. This is what Christ tell, tells us of his purpose in calling us. John 20, verse 21. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Now, those are they who have come out of these seven women. That's who Christ is sending. These seven women are Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of abominations of the earth. Now, let's take time to notice how hard it is for the translators to understand the principle of the dream is one as it relates to the branch and the branch of the Lord, the phrases that are used here. Psalms 80, verse 15. Now, notice that they, when they do and when they don't capitalize it, because that, under, that, that, that makes the point that they do not understand what's being said. Psalms 80, verse 15. The vineyard which the, your right hand has planted and the branch that you made strong for yourself. Isaiah 4, verse 2, In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely with them that escaped of Israel. They, didn't, they haven't capitalized it either time. Now here in chap, chapter 11, verse 1, they, they capitalize it, but let, let's read what it says there. Because what it says here applies to the other places that we've just read and will read. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, and the spirit of counsel and might, might and the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And shall make him quick of understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of the eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove the guilty, and prove with equity the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Isaiah 60, verse 21. Your people also shall be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. It's just almost incredible that they cannot see. You know, that's because you and I have been given eyes to see. Jeremiah 33, verse 15. In those days and at that time, I will cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. Wow, they got it. They capitalized it. They know that it's talking about Christ, but they don't understand that it's talking about Christ and his Christ never in a million years. Ezekiel 8, verse 17. Then said he to me, Have you seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing? to the house of Judah, that they commit the abominations which they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence and have returned to provoke me to anger. Lo, they put the branch to their nose. 
they treat us like like we're nothing, like we're just a possession of theirs. Zechariah 3, verse 8. Hear now, Joshua, the high priest, you and your fellows that sit before you, for they, they, they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. And uh, Zechariah 6, verse 12. And speak unto him, saying, You speak, thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Well, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. That's John 4, verse 17. I mean, uh, no, no, that, I just read it earlier there. It's Christ talking to his apostles after his resurrection. John 15, verse 4, Abide in me, and I and I, in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. How glorious that we've been given to be the branch of the branch, and to be used of the branch to build the temple of the Lord. As always, this phrase, too, has a negative application. Isaiah 25, verse 5, gives us an example of that. You shall bring down the noise of strangers, as the heat in a dry place, even the heat with the shadow of a cloud, and the branch of the terrible ones shall be brought low. The branch of the terrible ones will be destroyed and never rebuilt. Isaiah 25, verse 2. For you has made a you have made a city a heap, of a defense city a ruin, a palace of, to, of strangers to a, to be no city. It shall never be rebuilt. It's just talking about Babylon. Therefore, therefore shall the strong people glorify you, the city of the terrible nation shall fear you, for you have been strength to the poor, strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from in his distress a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones is a storm against the wall. Now it's also been written in advance, the branch and all who are in him will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. Verse 3, it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion that remains in Jerusalem shall be called holy, everyone that is written among the living in Jerusalem. Now, let's think about what, what it's saying here. Jerusalem is where God has chosen to place his name and to dwell. We read that in 1 Kings eleven thirty six. Unto his son will I give one tribe that David my servant may have a light before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen to put my name there. In Zechariah 8.3, Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion, and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. But Christ and Paul both tell us that John is no longer, that Jerusalem is not any longer to be understood as being a physical location in which God places his name. 
but rather Jerusalem is now to be understood as a realm of the spirit, and both Israel and its capital are now understood to be within us. Luke 17, 21, when he demanded the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered and said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation, neither shall they say, lo here, lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God, with its capital, with all that goes within it, is within you, with its king. John 4, verse 21 through 24, Jesus said to her, this is Christ talking to the woman at the well, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at physical Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship you know not what. We, that is the spiritual Jews, the one who know God in Christ, we know what we worship for salvation is of the spiritual Jew. But the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God doesn't want people worshiping him who think they have to make a trip to the Holy Land. Christ has made the trip to the Holy Land and he's within us. God is spirit, Christ tells this woman. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Not in a temple made with hands and certainly not in a dusty little piece of ground in the Middle East. From the time of the Reformation onward, the physical, uh, a physical is no longer the true Jew, Jerusalem, or the physical Israel. Hebrews 9, verse 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and different washings and carnal, carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of Reformation. And then Luke 17, 20 and 21, the kingdom of God is within you. Romans 2, 28 and 29, he is not a Jew which is one outwardly. The world just cannot see those words in the first part of that verse. He is not a Jew which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. He is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. Romans 9, verses 6 through 8. Not as though the word of God had taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they the children, are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, he's not saying that, that Ishmael and Esau are not the children of God, but Isaac is. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is they which are the children of the flesh, including Isaac are not the children of God, but the children of promise are counted for the seed. Now, lest you miss the point, he makes it very clear in Galatians 4, verse 25 and 26. For this is Agar. He's talking about Sarah's descendants, physical Jerusalem, in Mount Sinai, is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answers to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem above is free. That's the free woman, not physical descendants of Isaac. Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. <clears throat> Even every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem makes it obvious that Isaiah was familiar with these verses of Scripture. Psalm 39, verse 15 and 16. 
My frame is not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thy eyes did see my unformed substance, and in thy book they were written, even the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was none of them. Well, Isaiah knew that. God has a spiritual book that he's got it all written out in, and it's all being done exactly as he has it planned. God also has a book of life, and only the true spiritual Jew and the true spiritual Israelites are written in that book because they are come, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, so the Father seeks such to wisdom, to worship him. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But our election comes only through fiery judgment, through the drinking of the same cup which Christ drank. And he said to them, You shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with baptism baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. Now, minutes become hours when we're being sorely tried and judged, but the, he that endures to the end shall be saved and inherit the kingdom of God and the glory that comes with being in and with Christ and his Father on his Father's throne. Our days have already been written in God's book, when as yet there was none of them of them. And this is the rewards of those who are faithful to the end, whose names are written there. Matthew twenty five twenty one. His Lord said to him, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter you into the joy of your Lord. This is the wonderful truth of our calling. This is what will make us stand out in the days just ahead. Everybody says, oh, that, that phrase, uh, it is at hand, it's near at hand. Why, if they were saying that back in Isaiah's day, why in the world should we think it's any different today? Well, you shouldn't have thought it was any different then. It was true then, and it's true today. It's been true all along. And everyone who ever said, oh, let's just put it off, has regretted it. So let's put it today. And let's be the three Hebrew children who, who are willing to stand out and to be the, the uh, branch of the Lord, beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth, excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel, because they're going to stand out. Just like we, we don't understand the significance of what happened when they were cast into that furnace and came out. They had conquered uh, Nebuchadnezzar himself right there at that point. They had conquered him. Nebuchadnezzar turns the kingdom over to them and proclaims their God to be God. And that's what's going to happen with us when Christ gives us the keys to the kingdom. When he gives us, he's given us the keys to the kingdom, but I mean outwardly and physically, when we are given power over this entire earth, then everyone will know who it is that has actually been given to claim the name of Christ and who hasn't been given to serve the Lord, as it says there in Malachi 3. Zechariah 4, 9. The hands of Zerubbabel, a type of Christ, have laid the foundation of this house. We are that house. His hands also will finish it. And you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. Romans 9, verse 28. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work the Lord will make upon the earth. Like I said, it may seem like eternity for while the trial is enduring, but 
we're in good hands. Okay, that's our study for today. I hope you all have been edified to learn what the day of the Lord and, and the day of his wrath and that day is all about.